0: Okay, so I'm going to be doing the reading today from Ephesians uh, three twelve, sorry, 14 to 21, ESV version, until my glasses fog up, anyway. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in our inner being. According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good
1: morning, guys. How's it going? Good Good to be together again. Thank you for reading it for us, Chris. And so, guys, we are in uh, halfway through our study in the book of Ephesians. So we've learned all about this new life that we have in God and then this new humanity that he has brought us into, which is great news. And so that's the first half of the book. So we're getting our thinking right. And then today is kind of the bridge between right thinking and right living. And rightfully so, Paul prays because he realizes that to uh, to get from where we are to where we need to be, we need some help. So as we've been learning about, you know, this new humanity, which is essentially like a mixture of oil and water, like how are these two things going to ever go together? We need help from something outside of ourselves, because the more we try to do things in our own strength, the worse it seems to go. Amen? <laughs> At least in my life, that's how it goes. But, but Paul wants us to get us to think correctly, and then from that place of understanding who God is and who we are in light of that, we get to live out the gospel, we get to, we get to live out our new humanity together what we're doing this morning as we're singing together, as we're hearing other people pray, as we're looking at one another in the eye, even if it's through a mask, you know, we're, we're, we're together as one new man in Jesus. And that's good news for all of us. So one of the ways I think one of the things about being in a community or being a human being in general, that's a real gift and privilege is actually just the ability to get to know other people. To get to know other perspectives to get to know other people's backstories like that's one of my favorite things in life is to ask questions of people um you know where are you from how many how many siblings did you have it's such a gift to get to know one another and as human as human beings it's 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 part part of what makes us up is what we're interested in investing in intrigued by and all these things come out in and through conversations and even this morning, as we're hearing you know, Trish pray out, and we're hearing Joni pray out, we're hearing Josh pray out, we get a little glimpse into their hearts, right? What matters to them, what they're thinking about, what, what is moving and stirring within them. And it's the same of, of Paul. As, we, as, we just, as Chris just read us Paul's prayer for the church, we get to know a little bit about who Paul is and his heart for this community to really understand God as Father, to see one another in love, and to live that out. And the strength that is only possible through the Spirit. So there's something that we get to know of Paul. And so Paul begins this prayer. I'm just going to go through um, chunk by chunk. So the first two, three verses here, I'm, I'm going to read them again together. And then I'll, I'll kind of unpack them a bit. So he starts the prayer like this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, and we'll stop there. So he, he begins the prayer with like giving a reason why for this reason, and he can only be referencing everything he's just been talking about. So he's been talking about the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what He's done. That we were once dead, now we've been made alive in Him. That we were once alienated from God and from one another, but God is building this new humanity through the reconciling work of Jesus, where Jews and Gentile or oil and water can mix through what Jesus has done, and and beyond that, like what we've been learning is that everything Paul has been talking through. In the first half of this book, it's all rooted in the scriptures. It's rooted in who God is and what God is about. God's heart for humanity. And it, it, it's rooted in God's purposes, this prayer that Paul prays. Paul has a deep understanding of uh, specifically the Old Testament literature at this point and knows kind of how things are connecting um, through the work of Jesus. And of course, the story of the gospel, the story of the Bible, is this beautiful good news of the gospel that God wants to rescue humanity from sin, Satan, death, and hell by uniting us to Jesus. And through Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension, he's brought us back to life to, with God and with one another. And that's good news. And in that process, we are invited into this, this relationship of discipleship or apprenticeship where we're becoming more and more like Jesus. And so Paul's prayer, again, If, you, if you, as you're hearing that, I'm sure it hits you, and then some people pray it hits you, because there's this authority that seems to come with what Paul is praying. And I would suggest the reason that is, is because it's, because it's placed square in the middle of the purposes and will of God. It's like, yeah, this makes sense. This is who God is. He, he wants us to feel loved. He wants us to, to know what it is to be a part of a family. He wants us to be dependent on him. So that's why Paul is praying with such authority. It's, it's in line with God's character and nature. It's interesting, Paul adds this this to the prayer. He says, I bow my knees before the Father. And this wasn't a typical posture of prayer. At the time, I think what Paul is trying to get at here is is, is an expression of his sincerity and earnestness of what he's about to be praying. Paul, and In other words, Paul really meant what he is praying for this community. You guys good? Yeah. yeah. Um, so he goes on. He's asking that all this stuff would be answered according to God's Riches and God is um you know he owns a cattle, the cattle on a thousand hill, he is endless, boundless, there's no end to him. And so what he's saying is, hey God, answer this prayer to the nth degree. Okay, I'm coming to you, Father, I'm rooting this prayer in your purposes, I'm I'm seeing you for who you really are. There's authority here. I'm sincere and earnestly asking you, answer this prayer to the fullest measure that can be answered. To the nth degree. And Paul is asking this with with sincerity and humility and with earnestness because he also realizes that this new humanity that God is building is going to require a lot of renovations in our hearts and minds. That to to live in harmony with one another, to actually exist as God's new family, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in my heart and in your heart and in everyone in this room's heart and and out into the whole world. And so what, what we're getting to know about Paul is Paul has absolute faith and trust in God. And at, at the end of the prayer, of course, he kind of ends with realizing and recognizing and declaring that God is the, is the only source and the one who is able to fulfill what he's asking for the, for, the next, for the next chapter of this life. So let's get into the substance of what, what Paul is praying So he's asking that according to his riches, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I could use some of that. John Stott refers to this uh, part of Paul's prayer as like a staircase. So each thing that Paul is praying for, he's praying for strength, he's praying for love, he's praying for knowledge and fullness, is a step further in and further up into God's purposes. And it's like he's upping it each time. He's turning the volume up for each, each level of this prayer. We're climbing higher and higher and higher in our hopes for us as hearers and for him as his readers. So step one, let's, let's talk about what it looks like to pray for strength. So I'm going to read each scripture again so it's fresh in our minds. That he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So for each section, guys, I'm going to talk about two the two Greek words that kind of Paul is praying through and then a couple ideas around strength. So the Greek word for strength means to perfect. And the Greek word Paul uses here for power is it's the root word dynamis, which sounds a lot like Dynamite, Hey, Theo. Dynamite. And so there's this miraculous power and strength that Paul is asking for. So he's praying for his hearers, for the church there, that God would strengthen him them with power. And so there's this recognition that we have to have right off the hop, is that the Spirit has to do a work within us so that Christ can dwell in us fully and completely. And this is no small task. There's, there's, there's a requirement of strengthening and power that is necessary for that to happen. And this like this whole idea of Christ dwelling in our hearts, isn't that already, didn't that already happen? Like if we ask Jesus into our heart, like who was told that as a kid? Or as an adult, we ask Jesus into our heart. So what? What, what do you mean? Wasn't Jesus already in us? And I want to clarify, every Christian is indwelt by Christ and is a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's absolutely true. But what Paul is saying is, nevertheless... We are on a journey of transformation, right? We haven't arrived fully. We, we see dimly now, but one day we will, we will see clearly. There's a process that all of us are on. So nevertheless, we are on a journey of transformation where we allow God to more fully lead, guide, and sustain us as Christians or as followers of Jesus. That's good to recognize, right? Because sometimes we can be frustrated, like, what the heck, why do not I get this? Or why aren't, why aren't I living perfectly? Or how does this make sense? There's a process that all of us are in, and that's the process of discipleship. So Charles Hodge puts it this way, the indwelling of Christ is a thing of degrees, as is the inward strengthening of the Holy Spirit. There's a process that Paul is getting at, that he's praying into. We need strength and powering so that we can continue on in this process of discipleship or transformation. So that process of living and learning to live in light of who God is and what he's done, just like what Paul has been unpacking about right thinking, this is a journey for each and every one of us. So Paul, in his prayer, is asking for strength and supernatural and miraculous power to enable the Christian to engage with the Spirit in an ever-increasing capacity more and more and more and more each day, learning to more fully depend on the reinforcement and strength of the Spirit and not on their own strength. And a couple months ago, I was talking about like, trusting God with our, I can't remember what it was, but um, and I had this picture of us holding on to our day planner, kind of in representation of our own ideas about how our life should go. And it's like each day, like one finger kind of comes ungripped. And we're more we're more, fully learning to trust God with his plans and purposes for our lives. So he goes on, this whole idea, okay, we need to be strengthened with power so that Jesus can move in more fully into our hearts. And this, is, this I found really interesting in studying this week. There's two words for dwelling, I just spit, sorry. Two words for dwelling that could have been used, and Paul chose the latter of the two. The first one is which means to inhabit a place as a stranger and the second one is katokeo. probably butchering that but that means to settle down somewhere or to become a permanent resident so which of the two do you think paul is praying for the second one right but the, the sad reality is a lot of us live as if the first one is true Jesus kind of shows up here and there. I kind of let him in when he wants. I give him a cup of tea and then like kind of just wait for him to leave. Like, come on, I got to get on with my life here. Uh, Bishop Hanley Mool says this. That's a name right there. He says this. The word selected here is a word made expressly to denote residence as against lodging. So it's about Jesus living in us, not just coming and hanging out every once in a while. The abode of a master within his own home, as against the turning, of a, turning aside for a night of the wayfarer, who will be gone tomorrow. The residence always in the heart of its master and lord, who where he dwells might rule. That's some kingdom language there. Who entered not to cheer and soothe alone, but before all, all things also to reign So Paul's Paul's praying, I need you guys to be strengthened with power so that Jesus can move in fully, completely into your heart to live there and set up residence as king. Not as like a hobo who's coming in and out and moving along when when you kind of want him to move out. This is echoed in, in one of the things Jesus says in the upper room with his disciples the night before he's delivered over to be arrested and eventually crucified. He says this to them, he says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Again, Paul's prayer is authoritative because he's praying exactly in line with what Jesus was talking about and who our Father is. So the bottom line here, guys, is that the Spirit has to do a work within us so Christ can dwell more fully in each and every one of us. So the first question we're kind of left with is, is God more of a wayfarer who will be gone tomorrow in your heart, or is he the master Of the house. Let's move on to the second step, the step of love. Paul says this that you would be rooted and grounded in love. So, the Greek word here for rooted is to put on a firm foundation or to fix firmly, and grounded is to provide a secure basis for the inner life and its resources or to establish. So anytime you're doing a building project, okay, we're talking about our hearts need a renovation, you want to start at the foundational level. Are there cracks in the foundation? We've got to fill those before we do anything else because you can only build so high if the foundation is shoddy. Things will implode in on themselves and everyone will get hurt and injured and that's not a good thing. So the bedrock of our new identity in Jesus as individuals and the bedrock of our new identity as the new humanity, as brothers and sisters in God's family, love is the foundation. That's what we need to be rooted and grounded in. So if if Jesus can move into our hearts more fully as we're strengthened and empowered by God's Spirit, he will begin to lay the foundation of love in our hearts. And then from there, we can build out into a life that reflects him to the world around us. Um, God, of course, is love himself. The gospel is the love story that we have been written into. But again, we've got some work to do to understand what that most fully looks like. So let's continue on with this idea of a renovation of the heart. Um, so Paul Paul is praying this he's praying that kind of that we'd be rooted and grounded that we'd establish a good foundation because he's well aware of the recurring issue of the hardness of the human heart I think the, the longer I live I, with my own heart I realize it's way harder than I thought it was and if you think about kind of having to dig up you know the ground to lay a foundation for a building maybe you're doing a shed or something sometimes you encounter uh, way more stony soil than you had anticipated. Or maybe there's some old gnarled roots that are kind of blocking you and you have to do a lot of work to kind of chip away those things so that you can lay a foundation. And some of us, when we're going to be continuing on in this process of discipleship, there's at, at many points in the journey where they're going to be like, wow, we even encountered some roots I didn't know were there. No. Some bitterness, some unforgiveness, some animosity, or whatever that might be. Or There's going to be stoniness that you didn't think was there. And that's part of this process. And this is a story, and this is a theme throughout Scripture. And Ezekiel most poignantly talks about it. And the, the, prophet, the prophet Ezekiel says, God is going to replace our hearts of stone with hearts of flesh. So there's, there's a recognition here that, that we have to have. that our, our hearts are hard and need to be replaced with hearts of flesh. And there's numerous warnings throughout Scripture to not harden our hearts. And so Paul is, again, getting at this theme that our hearts need to be continually softened for us to be able to hear or perceive his love, understand his love more fully. Sometimes we're like, God, where are you? You're so distant. I feel like you love this person, but you don't love me. Sometimes that issue is that we can't hear God or perceive his love because our hearts are just really hard. And we have to understand that and process that and be willing to work on that through God's help and strength. In the story of the prodigal son, we see that God is not the one who wanders. We are the one who wanders. Our hearts kind of go off looking for pleasures and pursuits of our flesh and what we think is the best way. But God is always there on the edge of his porch looking and waiting for us to come home. God's heart and mind is not changed about you. Ours is the thing that changes. Here's the thing though, learning to be rooted and grounded in love requires something of us that's not the easiest to give and that's vulnerability. Anyone ever been in a relationship knows that to get to certain depths of, of love, it requires vulnerability on both, both parts. C.S. Lewis in The Four Loves says this about love. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything in your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you wanna make sure of keeping an attack, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries, avoid all entanglements, lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. Remember, one of the the most astounding things that Paul has talked to us about is that we've been seated with Christ through what he's done. That that we've been brought into, picture that we're sitting in him, we're sitting where he is in this unending relationship of Father, Son, and Spirit that has existed for all eternity, that is nothing but love. That's all they can express. So we, we have been brought into that space. And that's incredible. And in that space only are we able to learn to let go of our fears and insecurities and trust that we actually have been adopted into a new family; that there is no longer any alienation from God and from one another. And this is this, this process is going to take a long time, and it requires of us vulnerability and an ownership that our hearts are in fact hard. Dallas Willard, what's going on here? Dallas Willard says this: There is no other solution to human problems than learning to live with the God of love, in love with God, and out of that to learn how to love other people. We must learn to stay vulnerable to God and to one another, so that our love can span our differences and disagreements. That was me. i sorry. That wasn't. That was, that
0: was a good long Just kidding. Long that's, a
1: good, that's a good quote. <laughs> uh, Tom will uh, step three. <laughs> Knowledge. <clears throat> so we're keep go- we're keeping going up the the steps there. That you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. The two words here, comprehend, lombano. Who wants to say lambano? Lambano To make something one's own. To win, to attain, to lay hold of, to arrive at, to seize for oneself. The word here he, he used for knowing or knowledge is genosco. you say that? Genosco. 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 Yeah. To know, to know about, to make acquaintance of, to acquaintance of, to learn of, to ascertain, to find out, to understand, to comprehend, to perceive, to notice, to realize, to have sex-slash-marital relations with, to have come to know, to know, to acknowledge, or to recognize. So there's this depth of, it's not just head knowledge, it's heart knowledge, it's it's experiential knowledge that Paul's praying for. So in this whole idea of all the dimensions of God's love that we're going to understand together in a community, John Stott says this, it seems to me legitimate to say that the love of Christ is broad enough to encompass all mankind, Jew and Gentile, oil and water again, long enough to last for eternity, deep enough to reach the most degraded sinner, and high enough to exalt him to heaven. He talks a lot about the cross representing those two things, the four kind of dimensions there. Uh, Leslie Mitten, this is kind of a summary of, of, of um, Romans chapter 8. At the end there, he says, whether you go forward or backward, up to the heights or down to the depths, nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. That is good news, guys. But God wants us to not only know that in our our heads and be able to say, oh yeah, that's what that means. The cross represents these things. He wants us to know this experientially. And this is something we've talked about a lot in the past. It's not enough to know about God. What Paul is praying here for is that we will experientially know God. And the heights and depths and breadths and widths of that love. And that's experienced in the context of our own individual lives with Jesus, but also in the context of community. Where, you know, I screw up royally, and you have the choice to extend forgiveness or not to me. And I'm, oh man, that reminds me of Jesus' love for me, that nothing can separate me from his love. Or, okay, this, this family's going through something really tough, how can we come around them and offer them encouragement or a meal or both? Uh, Those types of things are ways that we get to experientially know the love of God. Again, we say this almost every week. Everything God has done to us and for us, he now wants to do through us. This whole idea that we can know God and and, and not experience him, or know about God and not experience him, is is summed up where Paul is is beginning his letter to the Romans. He says this, For although they knew God in their heads, is what he's getting at, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. So what Paul is getting at here, first he's saying, hey guys, listen, your hearts are are hard and they need to be softened. I think he's going on and saying, hey, listen, your minds are small. Your, Your small minds need expanding. There are so many things about God that I don't understand in my own strength. Maybe you can resonate. Like as soon as I try to understand God's forgiveness i immediately think the only way i can you know experience this is i have to earn god's forgiveness okay that's that's not that doesn't seem to line up with anything he's saying you know in order to be loved by god i need to be perfect no he's not saying that either so my understanding only goes so far and that's probably true of you as well and there's these these things about god that are so beyond us isaiah 55 talks about how god's thoughts are higher than our thoughts his ways are better than our ways And for us to understand God, comprehend God, experientially know God, our minds need to be expanded. Just like our hearts are hard, our minds are small and weak and need to be transformed. Romans 12.2, Paul talks about this whole idea of being transformed by the renewing of our minds. So again, Paul is saying all these things, a hard heart, a small mind, all these things are only fixed in and through the strengthening of God's Spirit as we understand this together in the context of community. So up another step to fullness. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Alright, kiddos, you ready to say a Greek word? Yes. Alright, <laughs> pleru. pleru, That which fills up, that which makes something full or complete, a supplement a to complement, that which is full of something, full number, sum total, fullness, fulfilling, fulfillment, Fullness. I' on a definition that's the same word twice. It means fullness and fullness. Um, so this is cool for us to think about. As we, as we talk a lot about being a disciple, about becoming like Jesus, this phrase, "being filled with all the fullness of God," is a summary statement of that. that as we think if, as our goals are reorienting to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus and to do what Jesus did, what we're, another way of saying it is that we're, we're endeavoring to be filled with all the fullness of God. To be filled with all the fullness of God is actually the goal of the Christian life. Or put another way, we shall attain the fullness of love, or we shall become like Jesus, for Christ is himself the fullness of God. Colossians 1.19 talks about that. for it pleased God for all the fullness of, of God to dwell within Jesus. But what that means for us is as we kind of look within our hearts and in our minds and in the way that we're living our lives, is that if Jesus is going to fill everything up to the fullness, other stuff has got to go. There's all kinds of other junk in the way. And that, that Jesus can only fill up so much because there's only so much space that we allow him to have. And this goes back to the whole idea of, is he a visitor or is he the king in residence? And Jesus has this, this great line where he's talking to someone about um, wineskins. And he's saying, listen, there's this new wine that I'm going to pour out. and for, In order for this new wine to not explode the old wineskin, you need to have a new wineskin. So this new idea or this new reality of, of living as God's children, as, as one who's been adopted into his family, um, understanding the, the height and depth, the four dimensions of God's love, that's going to explode our small minds. And what we're, what we're saying is there's this new wine that God wants to pour out that we need to allow him to, to create within us, in our minds and in our hearts, new wineskins that he can pour this new wine into. So there's this process of, again, we are not we haven't fully arrived, we're learning, we're growing, we're taking the, the posture of a disciple, we want to learn from God, we want our mind to be transformed together with, with him and one another. God expects us to be growing daily toward that final fullness, as we are being transformed by the Holy Spirit into Christ's image from one degree of glory to another. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says it this way, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So a summary of the staircase of prayer. Paul prays that his readers may be given the strength of the Spirit and the ruling presence of Christ, the rooting of their lives in love, the knowledge of Christ's love in all four dimensions, and the fullness of God himself. And he closes this way. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So we're going to close with this here, guys, and then we're going to sing a little bit more. And I have a, a challenge for us at the very end. So I'm going I'm to invite the worship team to come back up now. And I want your hearts and minds just to kind of be stirred by this as we go back into singing. God is so able to do this and even more. What Paul has been asking for us is he's able to do that and even more. And Paul makes his case here that that God is actually determined for us to know this new reality. He says, firstly, he is able, God is able to do or do work for he is neither idle nor dead. So God is alive. He's able to do what we ask because he hears and answers prayer. We sang about that this morning. He's able to do what, what we ask or think, for he reads our thoughts. And not sometimes not sometimes sorry. And sometimes we imagine things for which we dare not and therefore do not ask. Even those things in your heart that you're really hoping for, but you feel, uh, this requires me being vulnerable and putting it out there, God even knows that. Yeah. He is able to do all that we ask or think, for he knows it all and can perform it all. Is this stirring you guys? Is this making you hopeful? Yeah. He is able to do more than, which means hyper or beyond all that we ask or think, for his expectations are even higher than ours. He is able to do much more or much more abundantly than all that we ask or think, for he does not give his grace by calculated measure. He is not stingy. He is able to do very much more, far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, for he is a God of superabundance. And that means immeasurably more than you can think, vastly more than more, or infinitely more. it's to Him that we give the glory. You guys can have a seat. Thank you, guys. It's interesting. Dan and I, sometimes we talk before uh, messages and ask, you know, what what are you talking about? What are you going to sing? And this week we didn't, and it was... Like, every song fit together, which is cool. God is good. Um, So these words, guys, you've heard us say it quite often in Allison as it is in heaven. When you hear those words, what, does anything happen in your heart or your mind? And it's okay, no judgment, you don't have to answer. Are you inspired, or do you feel indifferent? Do you feel overwhelmed? Do you feel confused? And I want to encourage us this morning in the midst of however you're feeling, that I think sometimes we're not even aware of what we've been brought into as, as disciples or as people who have been forgiven by, uh, by Jesus. That, that God is actually way more involved and active and cares a lot more deeply than even we could ever imagine. About you, about your family, about your community, about your street, about your workplace, about our country, God cares. And... And maybe behind that, maybe our indifference or our fear or our confusion, if we're really honest, it's, it's just, just a lack of belief. Like, I don't really believe God could make Alliston look like heaven. Or beyond, like, even deeper, like, God, there's no way God could redeem my broken heart. Like, it's way stonier, way harder than, than he even knows. But this is what God wants you to hear this morning. I believe. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, that is what God has prepared for those who love him. That's first Corinthians two nine. And so when we read this, and we read it in Allison as it is in heaven, or if we think about, you know, us comprehending God's love or us having soft hearts instead of hard hearts, all those things, we need to, to think through the fact that God is the one who's gonna help us in that process. that That these are attainable in and through, only attainable in and through the work of God's spirit through us and partnering with one another. I thought it was even really prophetic even that Dan was, as we're singing about God's kingdom coming, what did he say? I need your help, guys. That that there's this ability we need to develop to say, hey, I need your help, guys. If we're going to see this happen, I need need your help. It can't just be that we have observers here. They're like, oh, they're taking care of that. I don't really have a place to play. And that's, if you're here this morning and you feel like, I don't really have a place to play, I don't really matter, that's so not true. We need you. We need your help. So to get from here, where we are this morning, wherever you are this morning, in your heart, your mind, your spirit, to get to this, to, to, in Allison, as it is in heaven, or God, your kingdom coming and taking up rule and residence in my heart, you not just being a foreigner, but you, like, becoming king and living there, or my hard heart becoming soft, or my small, small mind becoming renewed, I need your help. And the first thing... Here, we need to do is just honestly own where we're at. And that, just, that could just simply be, you know, just saying, heart, you are hard, actually. Or mind, you are small. Or I do feel insignificant, or I do feel overlooked, or God, I don't trust you. I don't believe that you can do the things that we say you can do. And there's a really helpful story in Mark's gospel where Jesus is talking to someone, and, and he says this, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And that's, that's what I want us to kind of land on this morning, is that, Lord, we believe, we believe, I want to believe that, that my soft heart can stay vulnerable. And I want to believe that my, my mind can be humble and strengthened in you, Jesus. And that in Allison, as it is in heaven, can become possible, only in and through you, Lord. But, but help my unbelief, because some days I don't believe that, and I feel really discouraged or disheartened. And even what we're seeing in, in what we talked about today, what was what were Paul's words that we were unpacking? They were a prayer. And so, for us to get, I would I would like to submit to you, from us to get from where we are now to an Allison as it is in heaven, or from hard hearts to soft hearts, or from weak from weak minds to strong minds, we need to develop a culture of prayer. Yes. And what we're gonna do? This is I mean, we're not gonna solve the world's issues today, but we're gonna start here. What we're gonna do? We're going to spend like a couple minutes, just silence and solitude, just thinking and reflecting. And this week, what we've done is we've printed off the the prayer that we just learned today, Ephesians 3, the Ephesians 3 prayer. And we're going to give you a copy of that on the way out. And on that prayer is someone else's name. And so there's a few blanks on that piece of paper. And this week, we're going to ask you to pray for that person, that specific prayer, and insert their name into that spot. And that's just a little thing, but we want this to become part of who we are, like that we are crying out like Paul was, like for this reason, like finding our our sustenance and our authority in God and who he is and his story and praying from that place. We're asking for and acknowledging that we need help. We can't do this in our own strength, that our hearts are hard, our minds are weak, all those things as we pray and, and continue to learn how to pray together. So I, I, I want us to just spend a couple minutes here just reflecting. And then I want to lead us in a time of prayer of disrepentance. That that we have this God who is so gracious and isn't disappointed in us when we say, God, I believe without my unbelief. And a God who is more determined to see an Allison as it is in heaven than we even are. So if you feel comfortable, let's just bow our heads. And maybe you want to put your hand on your heart and say, Heart, you are hard, or hand, your head on your head, head on hand on your head and say, Mind you, or week, or whatever you want to do, but just let's just spend a couple of minutes just processing this and asking God's Spirit to just come. So Holy Spirit, just come, fill this place. come before you humbly this morning, humbled by your mercy and your grace, humbled by your holiness, Lord, that you're here in the midst of us, imperfect, broken, hard-hearted, small-minded people. We're grateful, Lord, that you are more determined than we are to see transformation happen in our hearts and in our lives and beyond that into our community into our country, into the whole world. And so, Lord, we come before you wherever we're at, and we want to just pray. I want to pray this for us. Lord, we believe but help our unbelief. Holy Spirit, strengthen us with power so that we can comprehend, we can know, we can be filled with all the fullness of God. Holy Spirit, would you strengthen us with your power in our inner being as we learn to, to let you take up more residence in our hearts and move in more fully and completely. Lord, keep our hearts soft and vulnerable as we learn to love and be loved. Lord, may our minds be humble but sharp and may we be discerning and being continually transformed into more and more of your image. Lord, as we were singing, we, we do desire deep down within us that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done. And so help us, Lord, as a community, as individuals, but also as brothers and sisters, Lord, help us develop a culture of prayer here, that we're continually crying out to you, earnestly, um, depending, in a state of dependence, Lord, and would you, would you do that in us, Lord, develop that within us, and may you give us wisdom and discernment and how to kind of um, facilitate that for us as a community. We need you, and we are grateful, Lord, that you have immeasurably more than we could all ever ask or imagine for us and available to us. As we go from this place, Lord, would you lead us and guide us by your Spirit? May we enjoy you and one another today as we go about whatever we're going to be doing. And Lord, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are your judgments and how inscrutable your ways. For from you and through you and
0: to you are all things. To you be glory forever. Amen.